Thank you for tuning in to the Pointcast, a ministry of North Point Worship Center of Escondido, California. Tune in each week to hear relevant, life-changing, and challenging messages from the Word of God that will impact your daily walk with Christ. We pray that you will enjoy what you hear. If you would like more information, join us at www.npwconline.com. Thank you for tuning in. May the Lord richly bless you. Good to have everybody here, all family and friends. The Lord bless you. If you have your Bible this morning, I want to direct your attention to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 7. Praise God. First Peter chapter 5. Amen. Actually, we'll begin in verse number 6. Bible says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, as your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world, but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto the eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I love verse number seven. It says, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you amen i want to just for a few moments on this sunday morning amen preach to you talk to you about a god that cares a god that cares why don't we just clap our hands and magnify the lord together could you join me god we love you you thankful today that you serve a God that cares. Amen. Of all the attributes in the Word of God that define our Savior, all the attributes that describe who He is, to me the most wonderful thing that I find is that He is a God that cares for you and I. When you step into the New Testament, begin to read the story of God's redemptive plan. There are several things, if you are a studious student of study, that's a great word to say, a studious student of study, in the New Testament, you'll find out some things very quickly. The first thing that you will encounter as you begin to look into it is that the New Testament makes no attempt to prove the existence of God. It makes no attempt at all. He, it begins 
basically where the Old Testament left off with the fact that God does exist. The second thing you'll find out is the New Testament begins to reveal, number one, that God does exist, that he did create man, and that he continues to maintain interest in the affairs of man. So when you examine the Word of God from the front to the back, you will quickly discover that for every one of the greatest needs of man, there will be a corresponding name of God. Because he's interested in man, and he's interested in man's dilemma. So for every need that man has, you will find a corresponding name of God. Can I remind you for just a moment of a few of them? When you need provision, the Bible says that he is Jehovah Jireh, the God that will provide. When you are bound and don't know where to turn, the Bible says that he is Jehovah Nisi, the Lord that will give you victory or deliverance. When you're lost, the Bible says that he is Jehovah M. Kadesh, which means the Lord that saves. When you're troubled, he is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. When you feel alone, he is Jehovah Shama, the ever-present help in the time of need. If you're sick, the Bible says he is Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. The psalmist said it best. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. I serve a God on this Sunday morning that cares. He understands that you and I need his touch in our lives. And someone say amen. There's an interesting concept that arises when one begins to study the New Testament out a little bit. All the writers of the New Testament share the same basic view of God which is seen throughout the Old Testament. They believe that God created the heaven and the earth. They believe that the earth is the handiwork of God. They believe that he is the creator and they believe that he is the sustainer of creation. But what is interesting to me this morning is that during the close of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament, during the time frame of 400 years that many call the Dark Ages, when Malachi ended his book and Matthew began his, there is a period of 400 years. They call it the Dark Ages, the intertestamental period of life. The Bible says that many believed that God was exactly who he was. But during those dark ages, there arose a belief that was prevalent among the Jewish scholars of that day. The concept was that their God that they served was too high and too lofty to be concerned with man. That he was too far removed. He was too holy. He was too righteous. He was too big, if you will, to really be concerned with man. And so they believed and espoused the idea that he then, God then gave man the law or the Torah to connect man with God. That was God's connection to humanity was his law. They believed that the Most High was so far removed from his creation that he needed some intermediary to maintain contact with the world. So they said that the law was that contact. And if you'll study it out, 
they literally embodied or personified the law. That was God's method of communicating to man. But when you step into the New Testament, follow me for just a moment. When you step into the New Testament, there is nothing of that remoteness at all. In fact, you begin to see a God that the Apostle John said became flesh and dwelt among us. You begin to see a God that walked among men. I believe the reason the Pharisees and Sadducees resisted Jesus the way they did and rejected that this could be the Messiah is because in their mind that had come out of the dark ages, the concept that God is too high and God is too mighty. How could he become like man? It is impossible. So they rejected him when he touched the lepers. They rejected him when he spoke to the blind and they saw. They rejected him when he ate with sinners because their concept was so shattered that they rejected their own Messiah. But I have come on this Sunday morning to tell somebody he is not a God that is too far removed from your situation. He is not a God that is too far removed from your pain. He is touched with the feeling of our infirmity. He is a God that cares. He is a God that loves you. He is a God that is concerned with you on this Sunday morning. He's a God that hears your prayer in the midnight hour. He's a God that knows what it's like to be alone. He is a God that says, I will never leave you, neither will I forsake you. And it's no question in my mind when the Pharisees and Sadducees saw this God, supposedly God man, walking among men and touching and healing and becoming what we were so we could become what he is. They rejected it. They could not handle it. How could the high and lofty one, amen, stoop so far down and touch the badness of man but can I tell you amen I serve a God that it doesn't matter what you think he can still heal and deliver and save and somebody say amen you know the Old Testament reveals a lot about the judgments and the justice of God but when you dive into the New Testament you see a lot of the mercy of God. It comes into clearer focus when you begin to examine the ministry of Christ. The Old Testament presented to God that his love was righteous, but it demanded that you follow it. But in the New Testament, his love is not only righteous, but his love is unconditional. And he says, I'll take you just as you are, weary, worn, and sad, and I'll make you into somebody that will be alive and full of the life and the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And someone say amen. So when I look into the New Testament, I see a God of mercy. I see a God that cares. I see a God that is concerned with you, concerned with me. Isaiah, I think, said it best and amazes me that the Jewish scholars of that day missed it. It amazes me that they completely missed who Messiah was. Many theologians even, I'm not trying just to give you a history lesson here this morning, but it proves my point. Many theologians believe that a lot of the prophecies concerning the Messiah had already been fulfilled in the various prophets that had come and gone throughout Israel's history. They could see the suffering servant that we think belongs and we believe 
belongs to the messianic promises. Uh, they see it uh, as being already uh, fulfilled in men like Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel, men that had gone on and done these things, so they missed it. They missed, they could not understand that God could actually be concerned uh, with them. And so it makes me reason, it makes me try to understand the reason uh, why they rejected him. But I'm here to tell you today, he's not a God that forgets you. He's a God that loves you. He knows where you're at. He knows what you're dealing with. Isaiah, I believe, penned it so well. For he said this, For thus saith the lofty and high one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. And the Jewish scholars would agree with that, but they would have a hard time with this next statement because he goes on to say, with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Can I remind somebody today that he is a God that careth for you? You may have walked into this house this morning and your life is so troubled, but the Bible lets us know that he became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Bible goes on to say the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth comes by Jesus Christ. I serve a God that wanted man to understand. He loves you. He's for you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to come on church. I need some help on this Sunday morning, you don't serve a dead God. You serve a God that is concerned. He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Jesus went to Calvary. There's so many things that, so many examples of God's concern and care for humanity. So many things that that portrayal of the sacrifice of Christ upon Calvary and so many things are revealed to us. But there's one thing that stands out in my mind Sunday morning more than anything when he finally said it is finished as he hung on that cross when he had spilled blood for our salvation as well as our healing. Amen. The thing that stands out the most was not the fact that people got up out of their graves that day. It was not the fact that there was an earthquake that came. But the thing that gets me, Brother Michael, more than anything is that the veil in the temple was rent in twain. What does that mean, Brother Sergeant? Basically, the holy place that man was not allowed to go. Amen. God opened it up and said, come on. Anybody want access to my glory? Anybody want access to my healing? Amen. He made a way for you and I so I can celebrate on a Sunday morning. If you're bound, you can be free. If you're sick, he can heal you. Come on, Pentecostals. Do you believe in a God that cares for you? David stepping out of the Old Testament, if you will, into the New Testament. I think he wrote half of his stuff. 